Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. I have another special episode for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you that as a listener of the podcast, Faithful Counseling, my new podcast sponsor, is offering you 10% off of their online counseling services when you use my code at faithfulcounseling.com slash fightingforjoy. You can find more information in my show notes, or as always, you are welcome to email me directly at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. I'm just really excited and I'm always grateful to share this offer with you because, as I've said many times, quality biblical counseling can be such a help when you are struggling, especially when you feel stuck and unable to move forward with a particular relationship or situation or hard issue in your life. Getting professional help from a licensed therapist can be such a powerful tool as we fight for joy. It has certainly helped me, and I'm thankful I can offer this help to you too. Okay, now let's talk about today's episode with my guest, Kathy Delceno. Kathy and I met through our kids, and I knew right away that she was such a special person. Not only is she so easy to talk to and really fun to spend time with, I would argue one of the best people to have brunch with, She always brings to the table such good perspective, such grace and vulnerability, and always brings wise spiritual insight. Her deep faith and her trust in the Lord, even in hard circumstances, continually encourages me and spurs me on in my own faith. She is an amazing mom, a prayerful and a faithful friend, such a hard worker, and absolutely beautiful both inside and out. I always walk away from time with Kathy feeling encouraged and blessed, and I know that's how you're going to feel after hearing from her today. So listen in now to our conversation as Kathy shares about her fight for joy in the midst of some life changes that she didn't expect or even want, and what God has been teaching her through these transitions and now in the middle of what she calls a season of waiting. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for being here to record this episode with me today. Hey there, friend. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. This is going to be a great conversation. Well, you and I were introduced to each other a few years ago through our kids and their friendship. But I have to say, our friendship has really taken on a little life of its own. And it's grown and we are building such an encouraging friendship. And I'm really thankful that you're in my life. I feel the exact same way, definite. Definite kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. Such a blessing for sure. Well, let's start by having you just introduce yourself to my listeners, just whatever you want to share. Yeah. um, So my name is Kathy um, and I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I am the mom of four kiddos who I call them kiddos, but they're not little. Um, (laughs) Josh, my oldest is uh, soon to be 21. I have Zach who's 18. And then I have twin girls, Annie and Sophie, who are 15. Mm -hmm. Um, I work at an Omaha area hospital as um, an education coordinator. And then I also work on the mother baby floor as a lactation consultant. Um, Aside from that, I'm also in school, so I am spinning a ton of plates in life right now. Mm, you really so, are. Yeah, <laughs> you are. And yeah. as your friends, I, your friend, I have definitely seen that, and yet you are walking through it with grace for sure. Thank you. Well, as you know, this podcast is called Fighting for Joy, and 
Each guest that I invite on is someone that I see doing just that through some sort of difficult circumstance or life change. And I have to say that although a lot of the people that I have conversations with on here um, have somewhat kind of turned a corner from their difficult season and they're able to do more reflecting and kind of sharing about how they persevered through a challenging time, I'm always super grateful when people are willing to come on and share in what I call the messy middle, right? The in-between time, kind of the time in between the start of a difficult season and when the clouds somewhat began to lift and there becomes a level of restored joy and happiness again. So I was very grateful when you said that you would have this conversation with me because you are in the middle of a waning season. And this is such an important topic to talk through because honestly, if we think about it, much of life really is waning. (laughs) So that's what I really want to talk to you about today, Kathy, is just how you are finding joy as you wane and what you are doing in the midst of this in-between time. So kind of to get our conversation started, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your story and how you have had to fight for joy these last few years. All right. So I'm going to kind of start back way at the beginning of me. Um, So I grew up in a a really sweet little family. I just had one sister um, and just grew up pretty normal, you know, great mom and dad, um, went to church. Um, I think that at, you know, even from a really young age, my two greatest desires were to be a wife and be a mom. Um, I also just loved to take care of people. I loved to, you know, my, my sister was like my practice child, even though she was three years younger. <laughs> I, and my practice student, I, I kind of taught her all the things I learned at school. And then I, you know, loved to try to mother her too. And, mm. um, but those were really my greatest desires in life. Mm. Um, when I was in about eighth grade, um, that is when I really, my faith became my own. Um, it was not something that was just, you know, okay, this is something that my parents believe and I'm a good girl and I go to church, but it really became, you know, not just a, I'm having a bad day and I'm going to cry out to God, but really surrendering my life to him. And I, I really feel like that, um, just that commitment and that decision really changed the trajectory of my life Mm -hmm. that it, um, you know, saved me from a lot of pitfalls in high school and anyways. Um, yeah. So when I was the first week of college, um, I met, um, my husband, um, and we started dating. We were very efficient. We met at 18, uh, got engaged at 19 and married at 20. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we were not messing around. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was going to school to become a teacher. So it was, you know, a lot of these things that I knew from early on that I, I wanted to be a wife. I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved being a teacher. I really mothered my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I always taught in areas that were very just kids had very hard lives. Um, and I I loved them. They mm-hmm. really were my kids. And so... Mm-hmm. When I was 24, I had my first baby, Josh, and I was just over the moon to mm. have a baby mm. um, and to be a mom, and it, it was incredible. Um, I had had a miscarriage um, 
a year before I had him. And that was so devastating, mm. just that dream of having a baby. And so anyways, I had Josh and, and you know, life is chugging along. And at, and at some point, we got an opportunity um, to move out of state um, to move to Colorado. And so we left and, and that was really, that was probably one of the first big rocking of my worlds that I experienced Mm -hmm. was moving away from my family and, um, and just the community of people that I knew, you know, I, I went someplace where I wasn't Kathy who had been a teacher and Kathy who had served in this area. Um, it, it, I just was removed from all of that and, Mm -hmm. and it was really, really hard. Um, but while we were there, I had another another little guy. Mm-hmm. His name is Zach, and mm-hmm. just such a gift to you know add to our family. And really, that time away was very sweet in our family and in marriage of mm-hmm. really clinging to each other. You know, not necessarily having loads and loads of people that you know we you know didn't have loads and loads of friends over time we made good friends but it just we really clung to each other we really clung to god i feel like for me personally i learned what it meant to be the new girl mm-hmm. and i never would have experienced that if i had stayed you know if we had stayed where we lived um mm-hmm. you know it's hard to when you're not the new person you don't really understand what that's like so we lived away for a couple years um moved back to Omaha. Um, and then, you know, life's plugging away. And and honestly, you know, I really feel like the more kids you have, it kind of adds strain and stresses on marriage mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, aren't there when it's just the two of you, you know, you know, grocery shopping on a Sunday night and hanging around. For I mean, sure. it just definitely yeah. adds some challenges. Yeah. Um, and so, at some point in there, um, so I had a one little boy that was four. My other one was one. Um, I found out that I was pregnant and just was extremely, extremely sick. Um, and then found out right around that, right before that time that I had something called hip dysplasia. So something that they usually catch in babies and that was a, a bit of a challenge because I was having a lot of hip problems and then I had just found out I was pregnant. Um, and when I was five months pregnant, I found out I was having two babies, not just one. <laughs> so that was kind of a big shock. Yes. Um, so found out I was having twin girls um, and was then put on bed rest not long after that. And and so that kind of started the next wave of hard mm-hmm. that we really hadn't experienced as a married couple and as a family and, you know, being on bed rest and then having babies that came early and that were in the NICU. And mm. and so that was hard. Um And then just the season of four kids, five and under Mm. was insane. I Mm. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to, there are some days that I just kind of laugh thinking of how crazy that was of sitting on the couch, nursing two babies and my boys running around. And (laughs) I can even remember at one point our oldest one going out in the backyard and I had the back, you know, it's like I just kept the back door open so I could kind of scream out the door. <laughs> but he handcuffed his brother's uh, feet together in the backyard and left him in the backyard. Oh, and, no. you know, it was yeah. just, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. So, um, but at that, you know, I finally found at a point that I've, I found my my bearings. I, I was just, I was in my, I was in my sweet spot. I was Mm. loving it. I was loving motherhood. I, marriage was going well. We were really big on date nights and early bedtimes for kids. And it was really, really good. And then it really seemed like that things started getting hard. And they started hard 
in just little areas. Mm. And and honestly, you know, life is hard and marriage is hard mm-hmm. and nobody's perfect and everybody's always failing and asking for forgiveness. But there started to be some little red flags that started happening and things that I was uncomfortable with and and some things that were just really, really challenging. And so mm-hmm. I can really specifically remember some certain things that were happening and just some checks in my heart of this is not okay. Um, and then those things started snowballing. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, the way that life is, it's not things don't usually happen in isolation where maybe you're having a hard area, you're having hard in one area and then everything else is nice and calm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's kind of like, I remember back in the day Mm -hmm. at Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz (laughs) and they had that, you know, the gopher thing that you would hit and the gophers are popping up and yes, that's what life can feel like. So, um, at that point I remember my girls were about one and a half, um, almost two And I found out that I needed to have this really big surgery for my hips, um, Mm. that I was going to have to have both of my hips broken and put back together. Mm. And that was such a hard, it it was just so hard. I had several months planning to get ready for that surgery, trying to do whatever I could to make sure that things would be um, in a good place for my husband and my kids and Mm -hmm. meals lined up. And did I have help to take care of the kids because I had, you know, these, you know, one in school and then I had one that was four and my twins were two and right right so I went through about a year of from the surgeries where I could not walk unassisted um there were two hunks of time during those surgeries where I I couldn't do anything I Mm. couldn't drive I couldn't cook I couldn't tuck my kids into bed and Mm. it was so hard right after you just said you were getting into a groove yes Uh, (laughs) yes so hard it was. And I felt like such a burden and such a failure. And, you know, those desires that I had had of I want to be mm. a wife and I want to be a mom. And I felt like I was really failing at both um, just because I physically could not do that. So in the midst of that time of trying to heal and learn to walk again, and I'm, mm. you know, kids are life is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um and, and those hard things in marriage were continuing to really get harder. And so that was very challenging. Um, and so as time went on, you know, there would be times, you know, in marriage that things would be better and, and times and just, you know, finances and kiddos that things would really settle into a good spot. It would feel a little bit like three steps forward and then it would be like a step back. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And those things really went on for quite a while. Um, And then, you know, you pop in some other things that, you know, found out at a point that my dad had cancer and that was so devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was very, very sick. And honestly, it was such a joy to help take care of him. And thankfully, he is okay now. But you know, that was hard. And, um, you know, there was businesses that, you know, my husband's job changed and businesses that were bought and businesses that were sold. And again, life happening with kiddos and, and then this heavy stuff with marriage. Um, and so not to go into, you know, not to go into all the nitty gritty of the things of, of the hard with marriage, but just to say that a lot of the insecurities that I had, a lot of the fears that I ha- had, you know, really started out with these small red flags. And and over time, they grew to these vicious monsters that were not just 
suspicions or fears they were reality and Mm. they were you know they were true Mm. um and that was extremely hard so over a period of about seven or eight years um it was kind of like an on and off again of again things getting better things getting worse my husband living in the home with us and then not living in the home with us and it Mm. was just so incredibly difficult and so um there, there really got to be a point um, about three and a half years ago where I really cried out to God. Um, and I had been going to some counseling. I'd been seeking out um, counsel from wise women, you know, and, you know, actually going to a counselor. I read every single book that I could possibly mm. read and really got to the point where just crying out to the Lord and saying, I this is not getting any better and this is not a good situation for me. This is really not a good situation for my kids. Um, I need you to give me the strength to know what to do. And Mm. so kind of long story short, um, you know, I, I asked my, my husband to, to choose kind of what life he wanted to live and, and he made a choice and, and that, you know, really changed the trajectory of everything. And so um, about three and a half years ago, he moved out of our home and that started the process of, of getting divorced. And that was so devastating to Mm me. Um, I really had hung on to this uh, mentality, which is not a bad thing that good Christian girls don't get divorced. And this is not, you know, I fought so hard for my marriage to work and it was all falling apart Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was so I I just can't even express how devastating Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. and how ashamed I felt and what a failure I felt Mm -hmm. so that was that was going on and that kind of that season there was a six-month period um it's like my triple h's it was a real bad six months. So that mm. happened first. So that was the first H was husband. Um, the second H is that during that time, I found out that I have a cancer gene. And that was something that we found out after, because of my dad's cancer diagnosis that um, I have something called Lynch syndrome. And so I was tested, found out I had it, and then very quickly had to have a surgery. That was a big surgery. And it was you know, that was hard. It was hard Mm, to not mm. have, um, you know, not have a husband to be walking through that with Mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. even just logistically and taking care of kids. It was really, really challenging. Um, and then my third H is that I had to have my hair replaced. So I had had my hips broken, you know, several years before and put back together. I had had one hip replaced, but I really needed to have this other one done. So in this six month period of, you know, having my husband move out, us, you know, me trying to just hold everything together with my kids, um, having to have this huge surgery and then literally six weeks later having to have my hip replaced and Mm. then, you know, not being able to walk and then being back into that place of being a burden. Mm. And so that is really, you know, I really felt like that, that, that was where my story was ending and that's where it was going to be. And I, you know, thankfully am three years down the line. I'm still in the throes of mm-hmm. kind of the ripples of some of those, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, the ripples of that. So it's not like it's gone away, but I'm thankful to say that I'm alive and I'm here and I survived the last three years. Yes. So 
Yes. Yeah. You have. You have beautifully survived, (laughs) Kathy. And I'm glad you walked us through each step of that because I, I really do think that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to maybe not the specific situations, but just to life not looking like we want it to. And you know, kind of like my my uh, guest on episode 31, Shelly, she kind of called it being thrust into a plan B, right? Like we have this picture of what our life is going to look like. And then all of a sudden everything is turned upside down. And I know that's how I felt when Jackson died. I mean, it just, it totally rocked my world. And I had to face a different future than what I had planned and um, very different than I wanted. And I hear that in you too. So, you know, so for you, all of this hits, you know, your world is turned upside down, your life looks different than you imagined, and even different from how you hope it will eventually look like, you know, in the future. So, so after sharing all of that, and kind of giving us a glimpse into your story, I would love for you to now kind of share how you have fought um, discouragement in the midst of it. How have you not just given in to anger or bitterness or despondency. Maybe just share a few of the things that you have practically done, um, specifically probably in these last three and a half years, um, to fight for joy. What are a couple of practical things you've implemented into your life? So a few things that, I mean, I will say, you know, number one, that I did very early on start going to some counseling Mm -hmm. and that was so good to have um to have the wise words and counsel of somebody that was not really in the mix of my situation so it wasn't a family member it wasn't a friend it was somebody that was separate somebody that was kind of helping me sift through and I am so thankful for the counselor that Mm I met with I mean I I am so grateful for her um so that was number one Um, another thing that became very helpful for me, there was a book that a very dear friend had left on my doorstep within, literally it was within a few days of, uh, my husband leaving and it was so powerful. It's this tiny little book. I could Mm. keep it in my purse. I would read it when I, you know, would be in the car waiting for my kids. But one of the things that, that the book, it kind of gave through 10, basically 10 things, um, as you're walking through really hard times. And one of the things that it talked about was just doing the next right thing. Hmm. And so I had to really stop and slow down and become intentional about what is the next right thing that I need to do. Hmm. And sometimes the next right thing that I needed to do was I just needed to get through and make dinner. Mm -hmm. And then I needed to make it through the night or I needed to take a nap. Mm -hmm. Um, That I just needed to slow down and kind of regroup and make a plan and mm-hmm. figure out what my next right thing was. So a few other things, um, journaling became a mm-hmm. huge lifeline for me. I had, this is so silly, but I had struggled so badly with journaling for many years because I started out as a, I not started out, I ended my teaching career as a kindergarten teacher and when I started journaling, as my handwriting got messy, I just couldn't handle it. So I like had to stop <laughs> journaling. Um, so I that was something that my counselor really mm-hmm. encouraged me to start journaling. And so I had to just get over that. And I think I was anxious about the thought of rereading what I was mm-hmm. going to write someday. But I had I just needed to get it out. Right. I needed to get my and and a lot of times I needed to get that out. And it was like at two in the morning when mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. So I since have filled 
journals mm, with my that. prayers, yeah. with my hurt, with my sadness. And that journaling has been honestly just such a gift to me. It is such a great tool. Oh. Yes. Um, I would say another thing is just what I have filled my head with. Mm-hmm. So I love all kinds of music. I mean, all across the board. I'm real. I am. I love having a good old 80s dance party in my kitchen. <laughs> um, I love, you know, quiet classical music. I'll listen to all kinds of fun things with my kids. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I really found some worship music that would help just reset me. Um, and there were times I did go through a few stretches of times of just having so much anxiety. Um, I actually, at one point I had never experienced anxiety or an anxiety attack, but I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I got to have a lovely ride in an ambulance Mm, mm. thinking that I was having a heart attack. Mm. Um, and really found that like nighttime and when it was dark, I would really struggle. And that is when so many thoughts of fear and anxiety and you know, that feeling of it is always going to be like this would come flooding in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have, (laughs) I love playlists. That's another thing. So I made, I have all these playlists. Mm -hmm. I have sleepy time. I have sleepy time, short, sleepy time, new (laughs) sleepy time, long that, um, I would play these four worship songs. And initially when I first started out, I would have to play it maybe three times Mm -hmm. because my mind would just be circling and I would be so anxious and so stressed and focused on what wasn't or my hurt or I'd be crying. And then honestly, over time, I got to the point I couldn't even make it through one song. Mm -hmm. And so that was something else that really helped me, um, I think just become stable in my mind and in my heart and that was what my that's where I settled on as I went to sleep that was the last thing that was in my mind yeah I I I love each of these things because they are very purposeful ways to fight for and and choose joy I mean just very wise choices that you were making um, which just really feels like it's from the Lord because I'm sure that you were just absolutely devastated but to be able to think even just these little simple, simple mantras, like what is the next right thing? Um, and just choosing to fill your mind and your heart with worship music. Um, that's powerful, Kathy. And so encouraging. I know for my listeners to just be reminded too, it's not always the big, huge things that you need to do to fight for joy. It can be the music you listen to, the things you let go in your, you know, into your head, the time you can take to journal, um, and I know for as friends, you know, as friends between you and me, we've we've fought for joy together through some of the sharing of worship music too that um, have ministered to us, and we share that song with each other. That's been encouraging, and um, we've also used Marco Polo, which has been a fun <laughs> way to find out how we can be in prayer for each other, and using the Holy Bible app too to do little studies. Mm-hmm. So it's encouraging to find ways, um, you know, to fight for joy personally, but it's also a blessing to have friends p- come alongside and fight with you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think sometimes as Christians, you know, difficult circumstances can really draw us closer to God. And that is definitely not a guarantee. I think we could both think of examples of people who have, um, you know, fallen away from the Lord um, or just had such great doubt um, cast over them in the midst of hard times. But often it really does deepen our faith and our trust in him. And this is something that I have definitely seen happen for you. 
Um, You've brought your brokenness and your hurting heart and your fears to the Lord. So as you've done this, I would love to just hear what you have been learning about God, about his character, maybe just about who he is. Mm -hmm. So I think a few of the a few of the things that I've really um, as I've read through my journals recently, even in preparing for this, of taking some time and reading through Mm -hmm. You know, number one, that he cares about even the smallest detail that Mm -hmm. in my in the hard and in the stressful, as I would as I got more comfortable with journaling and more real and would like really write out these are some specific things that I'm struggling with. Um, these are a, this is a specific need that I have. I haven't shared this with anybody. One example would be is that I had been working one Saturday. I was teaching like an eight hour class and I was getting in my car and for whatever reason it just popped into my head. I would just love some flowers. That's something that just always felt very valuing to me like I was thought of and Mm -hmm. I was I literally drove home the whole way of like you should just go get yourself some flowers that would you know you just really want some flowers I was so tired I you know had been gone for nine hours I needed to get home I I got home and my kids were like mom you're not going to believe this there was a delivery guy that came and they brought some flowers for you and I was like what and there was someone who had been in a childbirth class a couple weeks before who had had a baby and they had flower they found my address and had flowers delivered to my house Mm. and so that is something that I was so remind God cares about these small little details yes um I think another thing that I really learned about him and and was reminded is that he does not cause the bad and the hard Mm. and you know what it's okay to you know I have had my moments of being angry with God why is this happening this is so unfair but that you know he is not the one that caused these things that Mm. it's we live in a really broken messy world Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's our choices that a lot of times are the domino effect that these happen, um, but that he provides these opportunities for us to grow and to hmm. know him more and to experience him in a deeper way. Um, that he's kind, hmm. that he is a kind God. And it can be really hard when we're in the thick of it, when we feel like we are like in the cement, like the wet cement where it just feels like I cannot lift up my feet. I, I'm mm. going to be stuck here forever that he is kind. He mm. is such a kind God in providing and mm. providing just his peace and his spirit. Mm. Um, and then I think probably, and there's, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but one of the, the big ones is that he is enough mm. that, I had had that desire from the time I was a little girl to be a wife and to be a mom and to have a husband. And when when that the big piece of that was taken away, feeling like I I am there's a there's something missing in me that is not replaceable. Hmm. But really God is enough hmm. and he is he is enough. He is my provider. He is the one who's going to ultimately give me wisdom and help me as I parent my kids, 
that he is a lot is enough he's with me when i'm alone he's with me when i'm scared when i'm at my wits end as a mom he is enough Hmm. That is so powerful, Kathy. And that's something that I have learned over the years too. And something that when we kind of get to the other side of a darker season, we just don't want to forget that he is enough. Well, along with learning about God and his care for us, and like you mentioned, that he hears us and sees us and cares about these personal, intimate details, um, we also, during challenging times, often learn a lot about ourselves, right? The good, bad, and the ugly. And <laughs> For me, you know, grief has brought out some yucky things that I was kind of able to tamp down during easier days. Um, but also, I mean, I've been encouraged by some of the things that have risen to the surface in my character. And so for you, I'm sure it's been similar, right? So what, what have you been learning about yourself during this time? I have been learning one of the so I really believe that everybody has kind of a core or a main lie that they mm. believe. And one of the things that I really learned about myself is that the lie that I believed and that I struggle, I struggle with this all the time is that I am not enough. Mm. And that, you know, I was not, you know, okay, was I, was I not a good enough Christian? Mm. Was I not a good enough? Was I not beautiful enough? Was I not lovely enough? Was I not a good enough friend? You know, all of these things, was I not enough? And that that has become like sometimes a consuming, like, like a monster almost that's consumed me. So that is something that I have learned about myself that I am working on constantly and and I'm I so appreciate you as a friend I remember talking to you about this at one point about that the struggle of this lie of I am not enough and you dropped off on my door a little necklace that said I am enough Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that has been such a huge encouragement to me Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. a reminder that Mm -hmm. I am enough Mm -hmm. um so that's one thing that I have learned Mm um I have really learned of my desperate need for God that I I don't have the patience I don't it's I don't I cannot muster up enough kindness Hmm. um I can't spin all of these plates and so I have a desperate need for him Hmm. um there is a song I think it's a hymn um but it's I need thee every hour Mm -hmm. and that is I I feel like that I feel like you know Sometimes we can get into kind of the rut of life is going good and things are easy and yeah, we'll, you know, we'll pray over our meal and, you know, we see an ambulance go by and oh Lord bless what's going on over there. But mm-hmm. when you are literally feel like you're drowning mm-hmm. and or you're trying not to drown, you need him every hour. And sometimes it's like every 30 minutes, the yeah. reminder of I cannot do this. I cannot do this. Yeah. Um. I think something just practically that I've learned about myself is that I need rest. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think through all of this, um, have learned that I, I am not my best if I do not rest. Oh my gosh, that's really good. I am not my best if I do not rest. <laughs> I love it. I need a little plaque. Yes, you to, do. <laughs> um, that if I am running on empty, I am not going to be good to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so that is mm-hmm. something that I have learned about me that I need to stop and I need to I I need to sleep sometimes. Sometimes I just need to go lay in my hammock in the backyard mm-hmm. and that it's okay. Mm. That, that those are things that are good. 
Oh man, these are big things that you are learning. And I see these things in you too, Kathy. And God is just at work in such beautiful ways in your life. And, you know, as we pay attention to the things that God is doing and the ways that he's working in us, we really have such potential for growth and um, it encourages us. And then we quickly, you know, begin encouraging and spreading hope to others too. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, And as Christians, you know, I think too, that while we're here on this earth, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight which means, you know, although we can't see God and we can't see everything he's doing, we believe in the reality of things that are unseen and we have faith in his promises. We trust what he's doing, even when we can't see the whole picture or don't understand it all. So truly it does take walking by faith to persevere during hard times. And I would say, especially during waning times. So how has your faith grown or how has it been challenged um, in this season? I would just love to have you share a little bit about what your faith journey has been like during this time of transition and waning. Yep. So I would say that, you know, one blessing is that because my process or the hard was not like an instantaneous hard, it was something that had been drug out. I feel like there I was being prepared a little bit. I, you know, Mm -hmm. before, before it felt like the real, real heavy hit, I had been doing some of the small things Mm -hmm. and that really helped. It does. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I really learned to make time to press in close to God. And Mm -hmm. so what that looks like, you know, what, okay, what does pressing in close to God look like? Well, for me, it was making time, even if it was just time in my car. Um, I mean, I I would love to say that like every morning I would get up and spend 30 minutes, but, you know, spinning all of those plates of going to school and working Mm -hmm. and momming and being tired and everything else, but just being very intentional about saying, of surrendering my day, God, Mm. I cannot do this. I Mm -hmm. need you. Of really just being mindful in my mind and my heart of, you know, we, it's like we can just like we need water. We have to have water to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and we start to feel dehydrated. That's our body's way of telling us that we, you have to have this to survive and you are heading in the direction of not surviving. That's why we feel dehydrated that we can feel the same way spiritually and in our connection to God. You know, when we start, spiraling in our anxiety or doubt or fear or even in just snapping you know at my kids that response is I desperately need him so that is one thing that I feel like I really learned that my faith is almost like honing in on a sport that you you practice and you practice and Mm. you put in the time Mm -hmm. and for the game and Anyways, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, it totally does. So I think just spending time in worship and mm-hmm. fellowship has been really important for me. That yeah. making sure that I, you know, as far as my faith growing, that I am surrounding myself with other people that mm-hmm. are going to help feed it. I mean, we can surround ourselves with people who are maybe feeding into our anger or our doubt or our depression Mm. and we can surround ourselves with people who are going to just pour life into us and so that is something that I have done as well yeah well your faith is growing and I really admire your faith and I see you doing the hard work of grieving 
And I'm just proud of you and I'm inspired by you. And I know your kids are too and everybody that knows you. And yet I know it's been hard. You're human. You get tired. You get weary. So what do you do on the days when you know, you're, you're, the fight feels more like an all out battle. I mean, there are just real things that are creeping in that are stealing your joy. Um, you know, for you, the situation you're in right now, where do you have to fight discouragement or to say it another way, what is robbing you of joy? I would say this is so easy for me to come up with is that I, I have a little saying and I love little sayings. I have a little saying above my kitchen sink that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm, for sure. And that is where I feel like that can be sucked away so quickly yeah, that I yeah. look around me. And this is something I have had to fight a lot that I look around me and I see which I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that I have wonderful friends who have healthy marriages, but it's very easy to look around and think everybody's family, like their whole family. Mm-hmm. It's the husband and the wife and the kids and they're going on vacation and their, you know, life seems easy and they just all seem happy and, you know, they're going out right, on dates and, right. and I'm, you know, I'm home with my kids or I'm working through challenges or I'm, at 45, I'm in college and working and, you know, all of these things and where that just robs the joy super, super quickly. Oh, so that's something yes. that I really struggle with. Mm. Um, I think loneliness is an, another area that I can struggle in that I feel sucks that joy out mm-hmm, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my kids are not little anymore, so they're teenagers and they're busy and mm-hmm. They're kind of off doing things, which is that's what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and I am working and going to school. And anyways, I can very easily start to feel really lonely Like mm-hmm. I am all alone. And this is super hard. And all of my friends are married. And this is not where I wanted to be. And so it can be very easy to um, kind of fall into this. Again, I think that goes back to comparison. It um, does. It does. Yeah, I posed a question on Instagram a couple days ago, um, just asking people what uh, tends to steal their joy. And comparison was brought up over and over again. And so was loneliness. So even though it's specific to your story and what you're sharing now, I think it is an overarching um, struggle for so many people. Um, So what do you do when you're starting to feel this way? So say, you know, it's an average Friday morning like it is now, and you're discouraged, you know, say comparison is creeping in or you're feeling really lonely. What's what's kind of your plan of attack or how do you deal with that kind of discouragement? Well, I don't always handle it, you know, the best. <laughs> yeah. There are some times that I sit and wallow in it for a while, mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. a big old cry. Mm-hmm. I get really, really upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple things that I that I really I do try, I, I do I talk a lot to myself, sometimes out loud even, but mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. of I don't know what's happening behind the doors of other people's homes that it's, you know, it's not all. I mean, I think there are many people who looked at our family and said, man, they have the perfect family. And it was absolutely not perfect. Mm. It was a mess. Mm. And so I think really telling myself that, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think finding a place of thankfulness, which, you know, we might talk about in a little bit, but really finding some things to be thankful for in my own situation can help take me out of this spiral of comparing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then 
I think even for the loneliness piece, and this is really challenging, but I have had to learn to get kind of bold and to reach out to people. It is so hard when you are going through hard to be the one to reach out. Um, mm-hmm. because it just, it's very vulnerable. It's very hard. And I, you know, I have had times where I am like, I just cannot, I can't be home alone. I need to find a friend to do something with. And, you know, after like three people that I've called and they're like, oh, I'm going out with my husband or, mm-hmm. oh, we have a family thing. And it, it is very hard. Um, but that is something that I have just learned to do, that I need to be around people. I have learned to find some things to do by myself that, mm-hmm that fill my cup that can help me feel better um you know sometimes honestly just taking a nap shutting it all off has been very good yeah that if when i am really tired i will tell you that feeling that struggle of comparison feeling really lonely mm-hmm. is magnified yeah. when i'm tired yeah so um, and then another thing, this is just a really simple little thing. I think I mentioned the flowers. Mm-hmm. I buy myself fl- fresh flowers I quite love frequently. It. I love it. Yes. And that is something that I don't know. I just feel like they make me feel better. I feel mm-hmm. very happy. I feel like it's just a little gift to myself. I so. love that. I love that. And, you know, and but kind of circling back to loneliness, too, I think it is such a huge struggle because although we you know, really shouldn't be afraid of being alone. We're just not created to walk through life alone. And when you have experienced the companionship of marriage and then now it's not here, and like you said, your kids have grown up and don't need you as much, um, we still want to be needed. We still need other people. Of course, we have the Lord and his constant presence and care, but oftentimes we feel and experience his care and his love through the hands and feet of his people and through community and friendship and I continue personally to just be so grateful for um, each friend who kind of rallied around our family in grief in both big and small ways. And I'm sure you feel similarly. Um, So I'd love for you to just share, you know, how have friends or neighbors or people in your community practically helped you, not just initially when everything fell apart, but but even now in this season of waning? Mm -hmm. So I know, you know, friends and family have been such a gift. Um, my family um, has been just so encouraging practically and praying. I mean, I even, you know, this morning got a message from my mom of praying for this, mm-hmm. t- this talk. And those are things that have just been so encouraging to me. Um, my community at church, um, I have a great group of ladies that have been so not just encouraging with their words but in their actions as Mm, well that sometimes it was drop all and come over sometimes it was you know i'm gonna just i I, hey i just made you a meal i i've been thinking about you i know that you are juggling so much right now i just made you guys dinner tonight Mm -hmm. um about two years ago when and literally it just felt like it felt like category five hurricane after category five. It was like, mm-hmm. there were no more alphabet letters left. Like it just kept happening. And yeah. it was like, God, I like, I need a break. Mm-hmm. And there, I don't know who it is. Somebody that, you know, some friend or a group of friends, I'm not sure. But I started getting every week, I would get a card in the mail 
that would have, you know, something really pretty written in it, no mm. name, but there would be a gift card. Mm. Take your kids out to lunch or here's mm. a gift card for wow. some groceries. Yeah. And so those were really just sweet ways that friends came around me. Um, I do have a couple of really good friends who their families invite us over as families. And that feels so good. Yeah. Um, because it can feel awkward. That's something that I've, you know, my kids and I have talked about that it can feel really awkward that we're the one that we're not all whole, like Mm -hmm. there's a piece missing and Mm -hmm. that's hard. And so to have these people that invite us over is so wonderful. Um, our church has been such a haven for myself and my kids, From, you know, down to at the very beginning when, you know, not a lot of people knew a lot of details. They just knew that someone was missing from the equation. Mm -hmm. We would be driving in the car and talking in the morning on a Sunday. And it all, it just felt a little harder on a Sunday because Mm. again, you're going and you're seeing families and, you know, I'm seeing, you know, there's a husband standing by his wife and he has his hand on her back and Mm -hmm. the kids are all there and it can just feel it just feels very in your face but we would be in the car and I would even be talking to my kids maybe sharing a verse with them and we would get to church and they would be talking about the exact same Mm. it would be it would there were so many times that those Mm. messages it was like written to me and my Mm -hmm, kids mm -hmm. and that meant so so much but it really became a haven a Mm. place that as a family we got cared for and ministered to and really personally for me it became a place that i could serve Mm. that it wasn't all i was drowning in this sadness and sorrow that i you know okay kathy you have to pull up your bootstraps Mm. and go serve Mm -hmm. that is that is something that's good that can sometimes help knock you out of your spiral of being sad and grieving and and the hard for sure and you know i tell people that often when they are Beginning a hard journey, um, I think of my neighbor across the street whose husband just suddenly and tragically passed away. And my encouragement to her was, you know, get right back into church as soon as you can. When you kind of get out of routine with that, it gets so much harder to get back into it because Sundays can feel so hard, but you're right. It can be a haven. It can be a place um, to allow people to love on you, but also to serve, like you said, to kind of think outside of your circumstances and love on other people. And I love just the practical ideas you, you gave, you know, the meals and the gift card. And even as you mentioned earlier, you know, somebody dropping off that book onto your front porch, because I think sometimes we just feel at a loss for what to do when somebody is struggling, especially if it's something that we personally haven't walked through. So I'm glad we talked about that. I, I often say that it doesn't take much to bring, you know, a little encouragement to hurting people and to remind them that they aren't forgotten, <laughs> you know, a quick text, a card in the mail, um, figuring out ways to love on their kids, invitation to dinner, you know, those kinds of things really, um, really, really bless hurting people. Well, when hard things hit, especially when these hard things, you know, bring a sense of worry and anxiety about the future, and we have to face stuff that we never dreamed we would have to face, and there are unknowns, um, you know, I've found, and I've seen this in you too, that we can really find joy and comfort and strength in recounting and clinging to what is known and what God says is true. And I've experienced this in regards to God's promises, and I know you have run to God's word a lot through all of this as well. So I'm wondering um, if there are any particular Bible verses or passages that you have been holding on to during this season. I'd just love to have you share just something specific that has brought you some hope and comfort. 
Yes. So um, I am going to actually share three verses and then I'm going to share a little bit of something that has just really grown my faith in kind of pulling apart the verses. Mm -hmm. So there is one verse, Colossians 2, 7, and this is something that I, from literally from the day one that things started getting really hard, I started praying for myself, but really specifically for my kids and started talking to them about quite a bit. But this Mm -hmm. is Colossians 2, 7. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So that was one thing, mm-hmm. my a, a huge prayer that I had had for my kids. Um, I mean, I know that this has rocked me personally, but it has just broken my heart for my kids that mm-hmm. this is not mm-hmm. something that they asked for, that they deserved. And this is hard. This has mm-hmm. been a very, very hard thing for them. But what I hoped would come out of it is that through their grief and through their disappointment, that their roots would grow down deep in Christ mm. so that as future, I mean, this is not, these are, this is not the first time that hard things are going to happen. So this mm-hmm. is not the last time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, maybe it was the first big thing, but it's not the last time, mm. but that, that those roots would have grown down deep and that wow, they would overflow with thankfulness. Yeah. So the next verse that has really become, I think, a kind of an anthem in for me personally and in our home um, is 1 Peter 1, 6. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, hmm. even though you must endure many trials for a little while. So hmm. this is something that became a phrase that I have said so many times to my kids that they have now been saying it right back to me. Um, is that it is not always going to be this hard. Hmm. Um, it's not always going to be this bad. It's not always going to be this hard. And honestly, even though our circumstances may not change, and in you know, in some areas of our life, they're they're never gonna, they're hmm. always going to be like that. Yeah, we are going to change. God is going to grow us, and it is not always going to be this hard. Mm-hmm. So I am mm-hmm. so thankful for that's another I need a plaque of that one on the yes, wall too. Yeah, you do. And then lastly, um, this is just something that I have always been one that, you know, opening up my Bible, I can feel a little bit overwhelmed. Um I would be really good with the junior edition. Like I love children's <laughs> Bibles because I feel like it speaks right to me. Yes, yes. Um and so probably about um two years ago, I was feeling that kind of dehydrated feeling, feeling really, I felt like I just kept like, you know, I'd open up my Bible and like there would be a highlighted verse and oh, that's great. And then all of a sudden it was actually on a New Year's Day. Hmm. I got, I love, you know, now I've really gotten into the journals. I have a whole drawer of blank journals just in case I would (laughs) run out in the middle of the night. But I I opened up a new journal and I thought I'm going to write down a verse that really means a lot to me. And I am, I love words. I don't know if it's just, I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. I am somebody that has a lot of words. I don't know. But I love the thesaurus, which is very hard to say. <laughs> um, the thesaurus. Uh-huh. And so what I did is I wrote down a verse and I underlined a lot of the main words and I went to the thesaurus and I looked up what all of the meanings were. Mm, I and love so this that, is Kathy. something that I started doing mm-hmm. and it really 
like it was just meat that I could chew on. It was speaking to me in an amazing way. So I am going to read this verse and then I'm going to write, I'm going to read out some of the things that I had underlined. Great. So Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And this is a hard verse for me because I felt like that when my marriage ended and I felt like my hope and my future had ended and it was over and that was like the period, Mm -hmm. the end. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, God knows the plans. And so I had underlined the words plans, prosper, um, harm, hope, and future. Mm. So for me, some of the, if I were to reread this in some of the words, for I know the blueprint, the big picture, the roadmap that I wow. have for you, declares yeah. the Lord. Plans to prosper, grow, blossom, flourish, thrive, and bloom you. Not to harm, damage, shatter, hurt, cripple, wound, or break you. Plans to mm. give you a hope, relief, possibility, opportunity, and security, and a future, potential, prospect, destiny, perspective, vision. This has been so powerful to me. Mm. This is something that, you know, there's all kinds of verses that I've written out in here, and I just pour over these words of, God, you are so rich. And it's so much more than just, you know, the words that I'm reading that, you know, it's such a rich, such a richness. Kathy, that is so powerful. And like you said, so rich. And it just, I think that is what it really means to meditate on God's word. I think we can overthink it, but to just pull out words and phrases, um, that is so powerful. So man, to those of you listening, follow Kathy's example and go try this. Um, that is a rich way to read God's word and to think on it all throughout the day. Um, Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, as believers, we walk by faith. So often we don't know why things are happening the way that they are, what the particular reason is for something hard. I know for me, I don't know if I'll ever come to a satisfying conclusion as to why Jackson and his friends died. And, you know, our faith is stretched to live in these kind of unknowns and not having all of the answers. But that being said, we do often get glimpses into some of the good that can come out of horrible things. And some of the ways that our tears and our grief can produce and lead to beautiful things. I mean, God is not a God of confusion. I had to tell myself that over and over. He's purposeful and he's always working. And he promises that for those who love him, all things work together for good. So as you think through these last few years and even step back to reflect on where God has you right now as you're waning and not quite not quite where you hope to be eventually, um, What have you been thinking about what maybe some of God's purposes might be for having you in the season of waning? I think, you know, really, again, I can bring it back to that. I know that God is not punishing me. I know that he is not causing these things that they, we live in a broken, hurting world. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to use these things in my life for me to know him and for me to know his heart. Mm. I would never, ever want to walk through what I've walked through ever again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, if I could like do it over, I would wipe it all away, but I am so thankful for the encouragement that I've been able to give to other women. Right. You Um, have. And I would not understand that if I had not walked through this myself. Um, that if I had, you know, 
I think even um, really grasping the betrayal that I experienced and thinking, God knows what I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I understand his heart in a way that I never had before. It's very hard. There is something about, you know, dishonesty and betrayal that is so crushing and crippling and terrible. And mm-hmm. to think, God was, you know, Jesus was betrayed. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think one of the other purposes is really of of me just finding my value and my worth. Mm -hmm. Um, That has been, that has been such a hard thing and something I think I shared a little bit earlier. That's a struggle that I've had. And I feel like, you know, not that God has caused these things to happen so that I would find my value and my worth, but he has provided great opportunity mm. for me to see that of who he has made me to be mm. and and who I am in him. Mm. Um, and I think as I am even stepping into the future, I mean, I hold on to that verse that he has a hope and a future for me, that mm. this is not, this isn't what I imagined my life was going to be like, but my life is not over. Um, he has great things ahead for me. But he doesn't want me to head into my future mm. with a cargo ship of baggage, right? of a whole entire, you know, all of these heavy, hard things. And he wants me to be able to work through those, mm. to honor him and to better love my kids and for, you know, maybe a relationship in the future and mm-hmm. um, just whatever, whatever I, you know, as I am a daughter and a friend and a worker that I am not carrying this cargo with me. Mm. So he wants me to be able to work through those things and to grow from them, that we grow through what we go through. Yeah. And I am so thankful to be able to grow through this really hard season. Mm, And I see that in you, Kathy. He really is growing you. And this does feel like a strengthening time and a time of preparation. And it's very encouraging to see um, all that you are learning um, during this time. And, you know, when you mentioned betrayal, um, it kind of leads me to the next question, which I wanted to ask when you were here, because time and time again, I have people reach out to me on this topic. And that is the topic of forgiveness. Um, I have a number of friends in similar situations to yours, um, but also in different situations in life. I mean, we can struggle with how to think through and extend forgiveness when we are deeply hurt or when we have to deal with life-altering consequences. So I don't need you to get specific or into any personal details, but I'm just I'm wondering what you've learned about forgiveness in general and what you would just be willing to share with others who have been wounded. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness is something that is very hard. Mm. It is very, very hard. It's very hard when, you know, it's hard when somebody comes to you and asks for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really hard when someone doesn't seek that out. Mm. It is very challenging. Um, I think one of the things that I have learned is that it is a process. Mm. Um, It is over and over and over again because... You know, an offense that happened. I mean, there are some offenses that are like a one-time offense. It's, you know, there's not a lot of consequences that come with it. There are other things that happen that there are ripple effects that continue to happen. Hmm. Um, again, it's almost like an, like the aftershocks of an earthquake that we have the, the main impact, but then you have all of these aftershocks. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they happen days after, sometimes they happen years after. Um, 
But I think number one, that it is a choice. It is a choice to forgive and you have to choose over and over and over. Mm. And I think really coming to that realization that, you know, I am forgiven and so I want to forgive, mm. whether that is, you know, whether that's something that feels like it's that forgiveness is deserved or it's been sought out, that it's something that if I don't forgive, I carry that around with me. Mm-hmm. I carry that weight on my shoulders everywhere that I go and it affects everything that I do. And that other person, you know, they're not, you know, necessarily feeling stressed about it or sad about it. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's carrying that weight. That's right. And so it's a choice. It's something that is over and over and over. And it doesn't mean, and this is something that I've even talked to my kids about, that Mm. we we can forgive. And then, you know, maybe days or weeks or months or years later when we get bumped or rubbed and that comes right back. It doesn't mean that we failed and, oh, I didn't really forgive them, Mm. but it's just, it's a constant, it's a constant, constant thing. Um, And, you know, it's something I think when we are hurt, whether it's, you know, just by somebody's choices or terrible things that just happen in the world, they just don't make sense to us. Mm-hmm. And that's when we just have to run to God. Yeah. That he is he is so he is so big. Yeah. Um and we have to run to him. That's such a good perspective, Kathy. And I think people forget that that it is a journey. It is a process. It is something we might have to do over and over again. Because you know, forgiving others, whether they ask for forgiveness or like you said, if they don't, you know, it it helps our hearts to stay tender instead of turning hard and bitter when we can extend that forgiveness. And as Christians, we are told to forgive. And I know for me personally, it always helps me to think on the cross and like you said, to recognize the ways that we have been forgiven and that the ways that I often treat God is much worse than the way that somebody else might have treated me that hurt me. And um, it kind of makes me think of that um, that parable. I think it's in Matthew, um, the unforgiving servant. Um, and so, you know, we need to acknowledge that, like you said, yes, it, it can be very hard to forgive. Um, there are real consequences. There's real lasting hurt. Um, uh, but I think one way, one thing that helps me is just kind of contrasting how difficult it is with what happens when we don't forgive, like you mm-hmm. said. I mean, the way unforgiveness can steal our joy and our peace and people can literally get sick or have their, you know, their whole demeanor change because they're holding bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts. I heard a quote once that said, um, refusing to forgive somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm-hmm. And it just gets to the point that it's usually the person not willing to forgive who's the miserable one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, we'll wrap up this topic. Thank you for sharing. But mm-hmm. I just, I am thankful for, you know, the specific Psalms in God's word too that reflect, um, you know, being hurt and sinned against and how we see the psalmist just cry out to the Lord for justice and comfort and help and that's what we need to do too because extending forgiveness is costly but keeping our our hearts soft and quick to forgive brings freedom and peace and is a crucial way to fight for joy I think it's almost impossible to be happy when you are holding unforgiveness in your heart mm-hmm. well let's uh, kind of switch gears and wrap things up a little bit and talk a little bit about gratitude um, I shared on Instagram this week a little research that I'd recently heard about how psychologists can actually measure changes in a person's attitude and their relationships and just their life in general when they are actively and consistently practicing gratitude. 
Um, you know, and for you and for me and others who have gone through difficult things, I think cultivating just a posture of gratitude and finding things to be thankful for is crucial. And so how has gratitude helped you to fight for joy during the season of waning? And then if you're comfortable, I'd love to just have you share a few things that you are thankful for right now. Absolutely. So pretty early on, and actually it was maybe more like four years ago, I had had a season, I mean, this is when things were very hard. We had not come to the end yet, but things were very hard. And I had gone to see a doctor because I had had about a 30-day stretch where I had not slept. I was sleeping about two Mm. hours a night, um, and that obviously was not enough. And one of the things that was so incredible is that this doctor really, you know, just passionately loves God. And she before she ever talked about Kathy we have got to get you sleeping she was talking about my hard situation Mm -hmm. and finding things to be thankful for so she encouraged me to go get a journal and to start just finding some things to be and it was very hard Mm -hmm. um I did find a cute journal so that helped (laughs) um and honestly I just started numbering them I started Mm -hmm. I mean when I go back to the very beginning of this journal um, and it's, you know, snow falling. Like I, these were like two words, you know, or laughing mm. with friends. But I started just almost, I, I call them like hugs and kisses from God. Mm. They're all around me mm. and they're very easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, there's a couple of things that I want to read from here in the midst of my hard. Mm-hmm. Like there was a day that I grabbed it. I, I, I was making myself write something down every day for a while, but um, I have booming thunder that reminds me that God is the biggest and mm. he's bigger than anything or anyone. Mm. Um, I will I will be honest and say that probably about every 10th one of these was I'm having a good hair day. <laughs> that I'm always really grateful for when that happens. Um, another one, um, this was from a few years ago, was making it through Christmas. Mm. Um, that was something that I dreaded. I was so anxious about. My kids had been anxious about. And mm. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. anyways, but yeah. some things that I am thankful for right, right in this season um, – I am so thankful for the sweet time with my kids. Mm. Um, Again, this is not where I would have imagined or chosen Mm -hmm. our life would be the circumstances, but I am so thankful for the time that I have with them, Mm. that we sit around the kitchen table um, and talk. There Mm. is a lot of talking. I think that the hard in our family has produced some really sweet things in my kids and sweet conversations Mm. Um, my kids understand pain and they understand blessing in a way that they haven't before Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't if they hadn't you know experienced these things so Mm. time with my kids is something that I am so grateful for just so such sweet sweet time Um, I'm thankful for my job Mm. I absolutely love what I do I love going to work when I drive to work it's not like oh my goodness I have to go to work Mm. um I love the people I work with I love getting to care for new moms um that's something that brings life to me so those Mm. are things that I am so grateful for um and really honestly I'm just so grateful to not be where I was Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. emotionally I mean just logistically but emotionally I am Mm. so grateful to have grown I'm so thankful that I made it like I've made it this far. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm out the other side, but I 
am so thankful to not be drowning. Yeah. And that's part of why I wanted to have you on, Kathy, is just to show and give people hope that it is a a progression. I mean, you are not where you were a year ago. I'm not where I was a year ago. I mean, this is a hard journey, but we are making progress. And as we journal, as we share our stories, we're reminded of that. And um, so it is possible to find things that we are grateful for when we are in struggling, when we are in the midst of um, a struggling season. Um, You mentioned your kids. I just want to say too, they are amazing kids and God is at work in their souls in really beautiful ways too. So anybody kind of watching your family right now has got to be encouraged by just Um, how you guys are all pressing on and fighting for joy. Well, I want you to just kind of um, think about maybe something that you would like to say to somebody listening who's also right in the middle. They are waning. Their life isn't what they want it to be yet either. Maybe they're super discouraged or lonely or they're comparing their life to everybody else's around them. Um, You know, what do you want to leave with them today? What do you want the takeaway to be from your, um, your time on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you that it is not always going to be this hard. And really, whatever whatever season that you're in, I mean, maybe it is a marriage, maybe you're in the thick of it in marriage, or maybe you are in the newly separated or divorced, or maybe you're waiting for that pregnancy that hasn't happened yet, it is not always going to be as hard as Mm. it is right now Mm -hmm. and that we can so easily get stuck and feel like it's never going to get better so i would encourage you that you know and maybe your circumstances won't change Mm. but you will change your you will grow um and i would also encourage you that you know that same wise words that i read of what what's your next right thing what is, what does that look like and it doesn't have to be enormous mm-hmm. um maybe your next right thing is you need to take a nap maybe you need to find some community that you need mm-hmm. to find some people to connect with who are going through hard things or maybe you need to just find some people to go laugh with mm-hmm. and have a great time with mm-hmm. um i would encourage you that you know, you, we have such an opportunity when we go through hard things of where we do set those roots down. Mm -hmm. We can set the, we can, you know, start letting our roots grow down into being angry and being vindictive and, or you can let your roots grow down into, I am going to press in. I am going to seek out God. Mm. I am going to choose joy. Um, yeah. So I feel like those things are really Mm -hmm. helpful. There are a couple of, um, you know, there's a couple books that were super, super yeah, helpful yeah, for me. Sure. And the one that I want to mention is the one that my my sweet friend left on my doorstep. Um, it's called The Red Sea Rules mm-hmm. by Robert Morgan. And it is the most wonderful, small little book that just walks you through when you are walking through the hard in mm. life. Mm. Um, I have, you know, this is the book that fit in my, my purse. I could pull mm-hmm. it out. I have read it and read it and read it again. Wow. Um, yeah. The book 1,000 Gifts Mm -hmm. is another book that I, when my doctor had encouraged me to go get that journal and to start writing some things down, that was the book that she encouraged me to get. And for some reason, I can't remember the author. Ann Bosky. Yes, thank Mm -hmm. you. Um, Lisa Turkhurst's book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, is another book that was Mm. very, very 
helpful and encouraging. And I actually ended up getting it on an audio book so that I could listen to it while I was driving around. Um, and she that's has a been new helpful. one coming out too. Yes. Um, what forgiving what you can't forget, which I can't I wait think to get. That's going to be powerful. Yes. And the last thing, and this is such a simple thing, there is a kid's Bible. Again, remember, like, mm-hmm. Kathy Kathy would do well with the junior edition. Um, it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I used to read to my kids when they were little. Um, you know, it's it's got a little bit more mature animation, so it's not, like, as cartoon-looking. Um I remember reading it to my, I like the back cover fell off because I, I read it so much to mm. them, but I would love it. And it was so rich. And mm. through the whole entire thing, it would just talk about the hero is coming. Mm. And I, that is something that has, I, I have it next to my bed in my bedroom. And sometimes I have to grab that and I have to read a story that I remember at the end that my hero is coming. Mm. So I think that that is really good. So that's something that I would just encourage you to it's hard when you feel like you're drowning to be the one to like Mm -hmm. try to grab a hold of the life vest Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. those things are all around us you know god's word community just our choices what we tell ourselves Mm. wow that's such practical encouragement kathy and just so hopeful so thank you for sharing all of that okay last question and it's a little bit more lighthearted, but just what are some simple joys that you are enjoying right now. The overarching fight for joy, as we've been discussing, is hard and heavy and tiring and full of brokenness. So as we close, let's just, I'd love to hear just a few small, simple things that bring you joy in your day-to-day life. All right. So one thing that I am absolutely loving, I have become obsessed with this pink drink at Starbucks. What's it called? It's called, it's called the pink drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pink and it's called the pink drink. I love this. And it's something that um, I actually, there's a group of girls that I get together with about every other week. We we're called the, we're the birthy friends. So they're my childbirth friends. Uh-huh. Um, and I've gotten them all hooked on the pink drink. What's too. in it? What's Coconut it? milk, strawberries, uh, some kind of black tea. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's, that's, so it's got a little. Good. It's got yeah. a little hit of happiness in there. Yes. Um, I love that, and I am one. I love iced tea. I know every place, everywhere that has great tea, <laughs> and I just that makes me really happy. Um, yeah. I love watching the Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. That is something that. My girls and I are probably like on the second or third time watching through that. And that is just something that, (laughs) yeah, that is very, that is very simple. Mm -hmm, It is, mm -hmm. but it just really fills my cup. Yes. Um, Okay. I think I've mentioned this three times now, but I really do like taking naps. Um, (laughs) I, and we're, you know, heading into the cozy, you know, we're we're not heading into, we are in the throes of cozy fall. And I Mm -hmm. just... I love burrowing under a cozy blanket and just taking a nap. Oh, oh yeah. it's amazing. Especially on a day like today when it's dreary and cold. I know that's <laughs> might where that might be where I'm heading when we're done here. Um, I love music of all kind, and mm-hmm. so that is something that, like I said, um, the other day I just decided to surprise my kids and make some of their fate. I should have been writing a paper because, like I said, you know I'm in school right now too, so I should have been writing a paper, but. I just really wanted to surprise my kids with some cookies when they came home from school. And I love, I mean, I am a child of the eighties. So I have my, my rockin' 80s playlist and I was dancing around my kitchen making cookies. And I, it's, I just felt like somebody had like totally recharged my batteries. 
Wow. That is such a beautiful picture of joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, Kathy. And I'm with you too. I love all things cozy, cozy blankets, cozy twinkle lights, cozy sweaters, you know, just comforting foods like cookies and soup and all the sights and sounds of fall are definitely bringing me simple joy right now too. Well, Kathy, this has been such a rich conversation. It's clear that you are not wasting this time. You are diving in. You're learning as much as you can while you wait. And as I've said, I just admire you so much for the way that you are doing that. And as I said at the beginning of this recording, it's just, it's brave. I admire your courage to be willing to share when you're not at your quote unquote, you know, happy ending yet. You're still waning. You're still in the middle, but this process just looks beautiful on you, Kathy. And I'm grateful to walk alongside of you as a friend. And um, as I've said many times on this podcast, there is power in sharing our stories. And I know you're going to help so many of my listeners feel not so alone in their own struggles and that um, your words and your story is going to provide so many others with hope and encouragement. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.